Work Stories is a place for women of color to share their experiences in the workplace. We're no longer whispering these stories to our best friends and partners and then shoving them to the backs of our minds and just stealing. We're talking about bias, equal pay, bad bosses, racist hiring practices, and all the crazy things your coworkers have done or said to you. This is a safe place to tell those stories. The floor is open, y'all. We are telling it all. Welcome back to our last episode of the season. Can you believe it? I feel like I say that every season. But before we go, we have one last guest. Our next guest is going to talk about ageism and how the stress endured from her job mounted so quickly, it almost killed her. No, really, it actually almost killed her. Well, now you have to hear the story, right? Let's talk to Alexa. I'm just so excited to be here. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so a little bit about myself. I grew up in Queens, New York. Proudly so. I lived on the same block that my family emigrated to when we came over here from St. Martin or Samarta, for those that are true to it and not new. Um, <laughs> my mom is one of seven girls. So I have lots of cousins and it's just a big, big family, which I love because as an extrovert, it just feeds me. Mm-hmm. From there, we moved to Rhode Island in around 2008, 2009. For what reason? I, I don't know. But with that said, <laughs> I have very much come to love Rhode Island and to really, especially just the people that I've gotten to meet. So after that, decided to move over to George Washington University for college and had a really incredible and impactful time. I met the rest of the members of my tribe there, two of whom I now have a podcast with myself called 2721 Club. It's very much geared towards other post-grads or just people in their early 20s, mid-20s, late-20s, whole vibe, that are just trying to figure things out out. Mm -hmm. So it's really just a matter of empowering other people our age. So I love getting to do that with my dear friends, Colin Cadet and Sky Blanks. And then outside of that, I've had the absolute beautiful opportunity to start my own brand, Moment of Alexa Claire, which is very much geared towards other young women and men on their journey to live intentionally. It's so important to have those conversations where we can be honest with ourselves because I definitely don't think we are living in a culture that is encouraging us to be honest. I think it's all about like putting on airs and doing what everyone else is doing. So hopefully we're transitioning into something else as a society. But that is great. So when you are not doing those things, where are you working? Where are you spending your time? So I am currently working as a sales development rep. Essentially, my role is partnerships development lead. I really just work in sales within the business development industry for a marketing agency. Go out to people. I'm like, hey, I noticed that you work for this mega company. I've noticed their social media accounts need some help, maybe some support. Do you think that we could work together? Like, let's do a vibe check. Uh-huh. Let's figure this out. Let's just move forward. And if not, then no, and I'll come back next year. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, though, in just my personal life, what I love to do, I very much enjoy styling people. So that's one of my side gigs, actually. Oh. I very much believe everyone's like work-life balance. I'm like, mm, work-life integration. Uh. I only have so many hours in a week that can be allotted for certain things. It's much better if you can meld them than if you just allot them to particular slots. Because I feel like you get more overwhelmed that way. But so that's something I love doing in my free time. Aside from that, I love to work out. You know, I'm trying, well, you know what? Don't lie, Alexa. I do not love that. <laughs> You're not lying. Let's keep it real. <laughs> Let's keep it real. I'm trying to get back into it. I like to move my body, I will say. <laughs> that is so funny. It's like, I would like to like to work out. <laughs> I have to be real there. Uh, no, I love moving my body. I am a Caribbean woman. I'm all about dancing. But okay. I've noticed just to handle the stress of work and life in general is, you know, I have to move my body. So I want to go back to your very first job. 
Tell us about like how old were you when you started working and what was it like all of that? Yeah. So my very first hanging job was when I was 16 years old. I worked at TJ Maxx. I was a junior in high school and I hated this job, actually. I started off feeling very excited. Honestly, I very much try to approach everything in such a way where I see it as my glass half full. Not a matter of, oh, what's everything that's going wrong? It's like, no, what's everything that's going right? Can we focus on that, please? <laughs> so I definitely started learning that I'm a super people person. I knew I was an extrovert before that, but I thought maybe when it came down to work that that would be different. But when it came down to TJ Maxx, like, I was the person they called over to handle any like crises with different customers. I was one that they had come over to speak to customers that maybe spoke a different language because I speak French and Italian as well. Mm -hmm. I very much enjoyed working there in the beginning, but near the end, you know, it just all became very monotonous. I don't see how I'm making an impact here. I need to be somewhere where I feel like my presence makes a difference. Is that a thing in high school as a teenager? I'm sure there's a few, right? Like childcare and taking care of animals. But like generally the jobs you have in high school, mm -hmm. are any high schoolers making an impact at work besides serving fries? Exactly what my mother told me. She's like, Alexa, what do you expect? <laughs> like you're always <laughs> trying to like do the biggest thing, but like literally just right. relax, just get your money and go. But I really was never that way. Like before TJ Maxx, like I had other jobs before that, but I had never had like an actual job that where I had a boss paying me. Like I would start up different ventures. Oh, I would speak okay. in French to your kids and you know, I would speak with their teachers at school and like try and engage there and like try and see how we can, you know, strengthen the kids' language learning skills or whatever. Or another one was this current events newsletter I tried to start where I was like, okay, so we're going to wake up really early, line everything up in terms of what's going on in the news. I'm going to make it like a paying newsletter. Did any of these take off? No, I made like $30 total. I don't know. But <laughs> 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 That's how I've always approached things. I'm like, I have to go big or go home. And is that healthy? No, but worth mentioning. <laughs> I love that you are able to just come up with so many ideas and try things and like you're not afraid to fail, even at that age, particularly. Like, that's really cool that you have that hustler spirit, but also you want to be doing something that has meaning to you. I think that's really early to know that. And that's amazing. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I was overbooked as a high schooler. Like so many extracurricular activities. I had work. I had an exchange student living with me. Like I was overbooked. So it very much came to a point where I'm like, listen, what matters and what doesn't here? And how do I make what doesn't that I have to do matter? Mm. How do I make this make sense? for like how I work. I know that making impact in some form or fashion is important to me. I need to see how having me here makes a difference versus just having a person here. So whatever I need yeah. to do, like change that perspective in my brain is what I'm going to have to do just so that I can handle it stress-wise later on. Right. So wait, when you have all of these ideas, this energy, how does that translate when you go to college and you're asked to declare a major and focus on something that you'll do the rest of your life. You see, that's... <laughs> I, I laugh because that is exactly what my dilemma ended up being. Eventually, I was like, you know what, Alexa, just, just make the decision. Do it now, and then you can change it later. So that was really my thought process. I was like, just name it as something that you think would be interesting, and then change it later. So I was like, okay, what are my interests? I love to travel. I went to the high school I went to because it was the only high school in my state at that time that had the opportunity to study abroad during your high school career. Cool. Somehow in my brain, it made sense to pursue international affairs. Is that what international affairs is about? No, it's not. But Alexa was like, this makes sense for now. And then mm -hmm. I can change it to like international business later on since ideally I want to have my own like global company. So, okay, cool. So let's just do this for right now and then switch it up. 
But then, you know, Mr. Rona decided to make an appearance and that changed everything, including my work story, mm-hmm. especially because I studied abroad so much in college. Where'd you go? I had the opportunity to be part of our global bachelor program. So essentially at GW, it is this program that enables students to experience three international experiences during their undergraduate career, starting with Shanghai, China. So I lived in Shanghai for about like five to six months. That was a story. And I lived in Paris for the following five to six months. And then I was supposed to go to Senegal, but Mr. Rona decided to rear his head. But that was when I was going to switch off to international business, since I still had time in my degree calendar or whatever to switch things up and still graduate on time. Honestly, just did not turn out that way. Are you the class of 2020? I'm the class of 2021. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. yeah. Why is it a downer? <laughs> because, because the minute people hear my age, you're like, oh, not that you're taking it this way. I'm not saying that. No, I'm saying it like, oh, as in, damn, you missed out on time that you should have had. That was nope. really important to the rest of us who got it. So I I feel bad. Like if we were in person, I would give you a hug right now. Like, And I would take it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I should be saying like my condolences because it's not fair. And I felt like when everything was going down in 2020, I was thinking about college students because I thought how pivotal that was to like my maturation of who I am today, not even career wise, like screw the career and the work stuff. It was really about like personal growth. And I could not stop thinking about college students, high schoolers, you know, high school is what it is. It's nothing special. But college, I was like, I hope that, you know, they get it back somehow, like some fortune comes to give you part of the experience you missed out on. Nothing hit harder than having your whole graduation be like on Zoom. Honestly, yes, you're right about condolences because genuinely I did have the entire plan of, okay, start school off strong, going ham my freshman year, and then getting ready to study abroad and then come back and act a fool. Just have so much fun. Just get to be 19, 20, do fun things that You only had the license to do socially, really, like when you're in your 20s. Mm. So (laughs) definitely wanted to get to do that and not having that opportunity and really just having it like pulled from underneath me and my and my peers was tough for us all. Honestly, it really, really was. So thank you for the condolences because it was definitely a mourning period for sure. Not even being dramatic. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure it changes the way that you go into your career. You know, you're an adult when you go into college, but you know, kind of when you graduate, you're like a real adult then. And so I'm sure it changes the way you look at everything because you've had these experiences in such a vulnerable space. Tell us about starting in the workforce in a pandemic. That summer of 2020, really raging. We were on lockdown, right? I found this company where I was like, oh, wow, they're doing some really cool stuff. They were working with celebrities. They were working as like an entertainment-based company. And so I reached out because it looked like they needed an executive assistant. So I was like, I need some money. It's remote. Let's see if this works out. Because honestly, this is exactly the kind of route that seems interesting to me. Entertainment is very interesting to me just in regard to the kind of work that I want to do in the future. So I spoke with the CEO. It was a startup. I'm a people person. So it ended up like just working out really, really great. She's like, unfortunately, because you're East Coast and I'm West Coast, executive assistant job doesn't make as much sense because I need you to be here with me. But I'm going to make up a position for you because I oh. like this interview so much. So what do you say to that? Um, so I signed and uh, we got started. And I really enjoyed myself at first. I really really did. I could immediately see the impact I was making because it was such a small team. I could see how my ideas were genuinely being appreciated because I would say them, they would ask questions. It wasn't just, you know, poo-pooing them and just saying, oh, whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, okay. Have you thought through the plan for that? Oh, wow. Y'all are taking me seriously. 
okay, yeah, I actually have to do the plan for it. Here it is. I'll email it to you like before end of day. Like I really loved being taken seriously despite them knowing my age. Cause at that time I hadn't graduated yet. Oh goodness. This was 29. This is 2020. So I was. You still had another year. Yeah. I had another year. I was pretty young. So what position did they give you? They gave me um, operations assistant. Oh, okay. Basically what I was doing was I was counting numbers. I was working in like the financial aspect of things, which I didn't love, but I knew it was just my in. Mm-hmm. And organization is a super strong skill for me. So okay, I can definitely work through this. So that's what I started doing there. And then eventually ended up pushing forward to working with the biz dev side of the company. And then working as an account manager and working directly with clients. So it was really, it really is something that grew into something more that made me feel really excited. I felt very taken care of, honestly. I felt like I mattered. And working during the pandemic during that time was tough. And so going back to even what I said before, right, about that whole matter of you need to know your working style in general. Like what is important to you in order to stay in a job? There are so many things I'm sure on everyone's list, but one of my top ones is making sure I'm making an impact. Making sure that it matters that I am here, not just a person is here. Mm-hmm. Being able to see that during a high stress period where I didn't have that much money in my bank account. I didn't have the most you know, solid of living situations. I didn't have the best mental health at that time because I was still taking crazy amount of credits for school. And now we had just moved to being online, which is not the way I learn. I have a very hard time focusing like that. So if I'm like, if I'm going to be doing this job, I need to be able to see how I'm making an impact here because I feel stretched then but I need to work. So how can I make it work? So this matter of seeing my impact made a huge difference for me. Okay. So then what happened? Oh my God. Here we go. So over time, it became abundantly clear, abundantly clear that the CEO of the company was way too involved in the day-to-day. And typically, you know, you'd like to see a CEO that is involved. This particular CEO was not trained in how to be a proper and appropriate manager. You will go into the workday and see slacks where people are being berated in like public slack channels. Like who came up with this idea? This is trash. And I mean, quote, um, yeah, it was really something else. And just kind of just came out of nowhere. Originally, I'm just like, oh yeah, like, okay, so they're a little tense right now. Maybe give them some time, extend some grace, whatever. But over time, I was like, this is not okay. And for that to be my first ever full-time experience, I'm here asking my parents, I'm here asking my mentors, is this normal? And I'm very much someone, as I said before, people person. I genuinely care about the people I'm going out of my way to engage with. I have this whole theory on vulnerability where it's this matter of like, you are throwing a threat of vulnerability at someone anytime that you share an intimate story about yourself. And what they can do is let it drop or they can catch it or they can catch it and throw one back. And then you can start weaving a beautiful story between the two of you. In regard to the job, we had been hiring more and more and I really had grown to appreciate and be grateful for this new team. Some of whom I still speak with to this day who truly like we just hang out one-on-one personally. And so seeing them be berated in the Slack channels and just not being appreciated for their work. And then later that CEO going back and be like, hey guys, I made a mistake. Forget everything I said. You're like, whoa, you can't just take that back. What is going on here? Yeah, kind of weird for a CEO. Extremely. And so eventually it came around to that being directed at me. Mm. Age came into question. It's this matter of like, oh, you're too young to understand this. I'm like, well, I wasn't too young to understand this two months ago. So what is going on? And it was also difficult for me because my direct manager and I had a wonderful relationship where I was like, they were like, listen, you report to me. So as long as we're good, then we're fine. Like, don't worry about any of that. Just focus on this work I'm giving you. Then eventually this... 
one week came up. It was in July. I had been contemplating leaving this job for a while at this point. I'm like, I, I cannot keep doing this. I do not handle stress well in general. So having it connected to my first ever full-time job, it really started hammering at my self-esteem, mm-hmm. quite frankly. In July, I experienced a loss in the family. This was the first time it had ever been someone that was extremely close to me. Mm-hmm. And it hit me very, very hard. And at that same time, someone else at my company had experienced a death in their family. And I learned from that person who I was close with, actually, that the CEO sent flowers to their house. I received no such flowers. Nothing against that person because we actually were close friends. It was just a matter of like, why would the CEO send flowers to one person's house and not another? And it's not just about the flowers. No, it's just the principle of it all. It's a matter of, I have been very transparent with you about this loss in the family and all of that. And you seem to understand, but now I'm getting messages while I'm traveling to this funeral of where are you? I'm like, I, I told you, like, it's an email. It's there. What was, <laughs> I can't be here. Do you think that lack of care, at least with the flowers, Jester, was intentional? You tell me, girl. Like, I... <laughs> <laughs> Dang. So glad you said that because that's a huge part of what started driving me crazy is this overthinking. Mm-hmm. I was like, was this personal or was this business? Yes, that is so relatable. The overthinking is what gets you and you can't even trust yourself at some point. Because you're so damaged and what has happened to you that your judgment feels off. Am I too sensitive or is this really happening? That part. So this week that this family member passed ended up coinciding with the same week that I was responsible for doing this meetup of sorts between our production team and this new client of ours. Mm -hmm. The client thought one thing about how the production would be done and it ended up being absolutely wrong. And we were like freaking out behind the scenes. So I'm contacting my manager behind the scenes like, hey, uh, this client believes they were sold through this. And that is not something we ever sell through. Who was the seller on this? How do I handle? Because we're in meeting right now. And it was definitely a tense moment. And so then after that meeting was handled, luckily the head of the production side of things was able to handle it. You couldn't even tell there was a problem, but behind the scenes, we were crazy. Mm -hmm. I met with my manager and also the head of production and one of his direct reports. In that meeting, my manager threw me under the bus and said, I am so sorry that Alexa put you in this situation. This was not how it was supposed to go. And I'm like, wait a minute, what are we talking about here? In my head, I'm like, did I I mess up? Like, I'm going through emails. For her to go in and say, oh, Alexa messed up here. I'm so sorry you had to experience that, Mr. Production Man. That hurt a lot because I really thought that that was like my last ally at the job, aside from like my peer mentors and like colleagues at the job. That was someone who was higher up that I really had grown to trust and had developed a really close relationship, I thought. Yeah. That meeting was over. I reached out to my manager privately and I was like, hey, do you have time to chat today? I would love to just go through what happened during that meeting and get some clarity. And they were like, well, my parent is coming into town today, so I can't. How about tomorrow? I'm like, well, I'm off tomorrow because family funeral. (laughs) And they just didn't really get back to me on that. And so this was all snowballing. I was at this job for a year and eight months, I think, something like that. I was here for a little bit. And this had been snowballing, snowballing, snowballing. And I had just been overthinking. And so this day after this happened, I, I needed to get out of my house. I needed to get out of my head and therefore get out of my house. So I got out. I went for a run, which is not typical for me. I do not go on runs. I run when I am chased. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Black. <laughs> Please, ain't nobody got time for that. Please. That is like the blackest thing. <laughs> So I went on this run. I just had so much energy in me. I just had to go run. And I came back home 
And I got in the shower. Out of nowhere, I just started sneezing. I started sneezing nonstop. I could not stop sneezing. I'm like, I guess I used too much soap. It's a new soap. I got out. I, you know, opened the door, opened all the vents. I was still sneezing. And at this point, then I start getting hives along my hands, on the bottoms of my feet. My tongue starts swelling up. My eyes are getting itchy. I'm like, what is going on? Mind you, I have never had an allergic reaction before in my life. So I reach out to my roommate, called her and I was like, hey, do you have any Benadryl? So she gave me her Benadryl and I was like, okay, cool. I'm gonna go to bed now. Thanks. She's like, you have to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, all right, let's just go. And then the minute we get there, my throat starts closing up. The doctors are all over me. Mind you, usually when I go to the emergency room, it's like a 10 hour wait. It's a stupid long wait. It's a crazy long wait. But Mm -hmm. I was immediately, I had five doctors on me at one time. They like pushed the EpiPen in. I had the steroids, whole deal. They were like, what happened? Like, what happened to me? And they're like, we have no idea what happened to you. And so I went to an allergist a week later and I told them the whole ordeal. They did all the tests. The allergist was like, Alexa, you're not allergic to anything. You had a stress reaction. I'm like, what? What? He's like, what's stressing you out so much? I'm like, my job. He's like, congratulations. You were 21 and you almost died because of work stress. What? Wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me work stress can close your throat and kill you? Girl, yes. Stop. Stop. This is like a new level. I can't. Like nothing. I have no prior. Like I have always had a clean bill of health. It was a cold stress reaction. My body could not handle the the enormous back-to-back stressors of that day and of that week. And it just failed me. Wait, so your body, it sounds like your body physically rejected your job. Yeah. If you don't get this, this horrible, nasty little job out of me, I am going to kill you. Yes, ma'am. What? My body said, you ain't got another choice. Oh my God. That's the wildest story. (laughs) Wait. Okay. So, okay. Let's go through. So that happened. What did you do with work? You went back to work? So I luckily had some time off already established. Up to that time, as I had said, this had been snowballing. So I prepared myself from jump. I had a very low salary and that was very much part of the stressors because I was working in three separate departments as one person. My job description was for one thing, one department. I had been saving as much of my paycheck as possible. I was getting the CVS press-ons, not getting my nails done. Like it was, I was roughing it. I was like, okay, we really just need coffee and one meal a day. We're good. Like, (laughs) Okay, so you prepared. You you were like, I got to take out anything that's not necessary because I know I have to get out of here eventually. Right. I need my safe funds. And luckily I had put away a really good amount of money at that point. I'll be completely frank with your with your listeners. I had around 9,000 put away. Good job. Wow. Were you eating at all? When I first started off, it was like around 9,000 around there because I'd been working for them part-time before that, before they put me at full-time. Okay. By the time it came time to leave this job, I let myself have one more month there where I was like, I was only only accepting tasks where I could just be heads down and not have to have meetings and not have to be super involved on Slack or anything like that. And also it kind of paired up with another conference that they decided to go to. So none of the higher ups were quote unquote in office or online. So by that point, I had around like 14,000 saves. I was doing really, really well. That's really impressive. You just need to take a second to realize there's people making six figures right now who probably would really struggle to save $14,000. I'm not going to say it was easy. It was so hard not getting to go and do all the things that my friends were doing. Yeah, Especially in DC, it's the culture there. You have to either be the Joneses or you have to at least keep up with them. Exactly. Especially 
And maybe this goes into being a type A type of personality. And this might speak to your listeners who feel similarly about like just being super ambitious, being like caring about their image. Okay, like my image is my brand and my brand is this. And my bottom line was at the end of the day, Alexa's got to be okay. Alexa's got to be okay on her own. Like I've come to learn and it's something I learned from my cousin, actually. He told me, Alexa, like, all right, so you fell. Next time you fall, you're not going to fall as deep. The time after that's going to be a little bit higher. Your bottom line is going to keep increasing. You're only going to fail so hard next time because you've already been at this low point. So next time it's going to be higher. That made me, that really was helpful perspective. So it ended up staying another month. And then I put in my two weeks and I was out. And then I had one of the best work experiences I've had. I ended up working at Secondi. I'm going to shut them out. First time I experienced managers that genuinely care about their workforce. And I am so grateful to those ladies. Wow. First of all, I'm so happy that you were able to like have a good experience after something that ended up being so bad and threatening to your life. That's amazing. And that's what I think everybody listening who's currently in a bad experience wants for the next time. We just need like at least a glimmer of hope. So I'm glad that you have found that. So a couple questions for you going back to your past experience. Do you feel like it shaped the way that you are going to now navigate in the workplace? Because that was like your first big job and you were there for a good amount of time and it ended so poorly and almost killed you. How do you come out of that and just operate in the workforce with hope and light in your eyes and an expectation of good. It definitely is something that I still struggle with to this day. I am hesitant to use psychological terms if you're not diagnosed with them, but I very much feel that I have PTSD from this experience. Mm -hmm. And it very much shows up and rears its ugly head sometimes in meetings that I have at my current job, reading between the lines. I'm like, is this passive aggressive? Am I reading the signs for something that's gonna be problematic further down the road? Like what is what is going on? I found that therapy has helped so much. It was really about framing it in such a way where I can understand how I work best, what my priorities are, and how I might be able to be actionable about that. I'm big on action, I'm big on making things clear. I've come to understand like I am someone that needs to be in the weeds. I need to be facing new challenges. I need to be working with people that are dedicated to the same goal and understanding how each other learns, communicates, is motivated, so on and so forth. What do I want to learn? Who do I want to be around? What are my interests? How can you integrate your true interests and passions with what you are doing for money? What is the life I promised little me? I think so much so many of us forget about the child version of ourselves. Right, Mm. like Auntie Michelle Obama said, like what was it she had that she said? She hated the question of what do you want to be when you grow up? As if all you can be is one thing, as if it's finite. Yeah. And so I like to start off with the little me that dreamed big. She said she wanted to go live in France for a couple of years. So I'm trying to figure out how I can make that happen. She said she wanted to own her own company. So I'm going to make that happen. She said she wanted to do things that mattered. So I'm going to go and do things that matter. Mm -hmm. And then further on, what steps do I need to take to help that come to fruition? So that means getting another degree. If that means getting certified in this, if that means having mentors in this space, what events do I need to know about so I can go and see mentors like that? What programs do I need to be researching? This work experience was tough for me, but it's taught me discernment. It has very much made my discernment stronger. I went in thinking, oh, great, I have a job. It's at this really cool place that works with celebrities. Oh my gosh, this is so cool. Nobody else at my school is doing this. I'm the first one doing it. Like, I'm going to be awesome. And then realizing, mm, not so much. Yeah. It's really about applying that discernment that I learned at this job. So although I hate what happens to me and I pray that it never happens to anyone else, I hesitate to say I'm grateful for it, but I kind of am. Because it taught me discernment on a whole other level. If the job does not have these things in place, I am not considering it. There we go. At the end of the day, you're your own hero, right? At 21, and even now, I refuse to ever be put in a position to quote unquote, suck it up. 
or put my head down. I'm hungry to learn. I'm hungry to be challenged. I want to meet new and improved molds of myself. But that's not going to happen unless I prioritize myself. You have such good advice and so many learnings from this job. <laughs> Do you think you're over what happened to you? Oh, gosh, definitely not. Um, definitely <laughs> Is there not. ever any getting over it? No, <laughs> it's definitely not. I became who I needed to be in that job in order to survive. Now it's time for me to become who I need to be in order to thrive. Your work is not who you are as a person. It's what you do. So it's something that will stay with me for the rest of my life because, you know, feeling your throat start to close up like that and knowing that the person or the entity or whatever that was, you know, had their hands wrapped around my neck was this job I was so excited about when I first started. It's a wake up call. And it's something that I don't think anyone really prepares you for because a lot of the time they just tell you, oh, that's just work. You know, oh, yeah, we all complain about our jobs. When your job is going to kill you, maybe it's not something that is normal. Yeah. And I don't know if I would have left immediately after if I hadn't had that savings put aside. I'm ashamed to admit that, but I, it's true. And that's the power of how finances relate to having flexibility and choice in our career. It is so hard, particularly for communities of color. We don't have this orientation around financial literacy, but what you did saving money and that amount of money that you figured out how to save with a really small salary, everyone listening should take note. That's how you make sure you can get yourself out of any situation. Saved my life. Literally. <laughs> like, what? I just want to play a little game with you at the end. Okay. I'm just going to say random words, phrases, and you just tell me the first thing that comes to mind, like the first word or sentence, like rapid fire, okay? Okay, let's try. All right. Self-help books. Ugh. Um, necessary. Public transit. Required. Fast fashion. Not for Apple me. versus Samsung. Apple, always. Google Docs. Yes. Coconut oil. Oh, my goodness. Childhood. <laughs> Music festivals. Fun. Team meetings. Mm. Um, <laughs> That's all. That's enough said. Right there. <laughs> that is it. That's it. Thank you so much. You are like a ray of sunshine and are just dropping so many gems. People need to play this episode a few times to like encourage yourself please so thank you so much thank you for having me joy i loved getting to do this i would love to come back i have plenty more stories to share but in the meantime this is the big one and i really hope that people go home and feel motivated to make the changes they need to make from surviving to thriving wow alexa learned so much from her trauma but have you taken time to figure out what you've learned from yours we really owe it to ourselves to never waste an opportunity for growth Good or bad, there's always something we can get from an experience. And maybe we never get over our traumatic experiences. Maybe they just become pieces of us, cells, living amongst the family vacation memories and the middle school bully and the first love matter that makes up our entire selves. Maybe we just move on with a new badge to validate our sordid existence. Maybe. Thank you for tuning in this season. And until next time, follow us on Instagram and let us know who you want to hear from next. Take care.